Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to share a sermon with you that I've entitled, Get the Party Started. How's that sound? Man, we partied last week. I kind of got the party fever. So you'll be able to go to work tomorrow and say, you're not going to believe what my pastor preached on yesterday. He said that we church people need to party more often. Man, I don't know. The place might be packed out next week if you share that with them. I'm speaking to someone who is far from God. Now, don't drop in a knot and expect me to come down on you and make you feel all guilty. Perhaps there was a time in your life when you and God were close. But not today. Maybe you've allowed yourself to grow distant from God. Has it been a while since you felt that distinct sense of His presence? When's the last time you heard His gentle whisper in your spirit? I want you to go back and see if you can recall the last time that he distinctly answered a prayer that you prayed. Do you still see clear evidence that his hand is on your life? If I'm talking to you, How do you think God feels about you now that you have become distant from Him? I know what some of you are thinking. Ronnie, I just imagine that He is uh, disappointed in me. Maybe angry with me. Who knows? Maybe he's at a point where he's ready to wash his hands of me and just give up on me. You might be surprised by how he feels toward you. This morning I'm going to share three stories from the New Testament book of Luke, chapter 15, that clearly illustrate how God feels toward those who are far from him. We're going to read several verses together before we do. Let me set the stage and tell you what is happening. Jesus is getting ready to teach. And he's got a crowd that has gathered. And inside the crowd, there are two very diverse groups of people. Group number one consists of people who are far from God. And it's evident by the lifestyle they lead Group number two is made up of extremely religious Jewish men. Men who had a reputation for knowing the Bible. Men who occasionally taught the Bible. Men who were leaders in their synagogue. Two very different groups, James. Now these religious guys had an issue with Jesus. And they criticized him. Because he 
associated himself with men and women who were far from God. Listen, he not only welcomed them into his you know, congregation, but he associated with them, which means after service, he went out and ate with them. You know, these religious guys, they thought, he's, you know, Jesus, that is wrong. You don't do something like that. You need to treat them the way we do. We have uh, shunned them. We have ostracized them. And you need to be treating them the same way. And they, they criticized him. Jesus knew that. So he knew when I teach what I've got to address here. I've got to address the attitude of those religious guys. And I've got to correct it. Because they think that the way they feel toward those who have strayed away from God, they think the way they feel is the way God feels. So he's going to correct them, but he's also going to protect those who are far from God. He doesn't want them to think for a moment, the way these guys treat you is the way God treats you. So he decided he would tell a story. And he said, what if there was a man that had a hundred sheep and one of them went astray, left the safety of the sheepfold and just wandered off? Wouldn't that guy leave the 99 and go out in search of that one sheep? And I mean search until he found it and, and then put it on his shoulders and carry it home with great joy. Wouldn't he be so happy that he had found that sheep that he would call up his friends and neighbors and say, come over and rejoice with me. I found the lost sheep. And I believe he's sitting there looking at him and kind of like, I shouldn't have to just clarify or crystallize my point. They should have got it. But just in case they didn't get it, he said, here's the point, guys. I want you to listen. Chapter 15, verse number 7. Jesus said, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. You see, the, Jesus saying, here's my point. You know, those who are far from me are so valuable to me that when one, just one comes back, all of heaven erupts in a celebration. And John, boy, I believe he's looking at him and he realizes... Then went right over their head. So he goes, okay, I got another story. What if a woman had ten silver coins and she lost one? Wouldn't she light a lantern? And I mean tear the house apart until she found that one lost coin. And when she found it, wouldn't she be so happy that she would call her friends and neighbors and say, come over, you know, let's celebrate together because I have found the coin that I lost. And he already said, i got to be very, very straightforward with this crowd. He said, so here's the point. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. You see the point he's making to you guys? People who are far from God, are so important to him that when even one comes back to him, God and all of heaven have an incredible celebration. Again, you know what I think, Ernie? I think he's looking at the crowd going, Whoosh. they still didn't get it. 
So he said, I'm going to tell you one more story. It's about a man, a godly man, a man with means. And he had two sons. And one day the younger son came to him and said, Dad, if you don't mind, I'd like for you to give me my inheritance now. Was this something they did in that culture? No, this was an unusual request. What he was, it was actually an insult to his father. What he was saying is, I've waited long enough for you to die. Apparently you're not going to die anytime soon, so I want what's yours. I would rather have what's yours than to have you. That had to sting. So what do you think his daddy did? Now, I don't know, Greg, if, I, if this is, would have been my reaction. You know what? But his daddy said, okay. And he must have gone to his treasurer, his accountant, and said, cut him a check, and here's the amount. Gave it to the boy. And, and, the, and what did the boy do when he had the, you know, when he had the money in hand? What did he do? I want you to look at verse number 13. A few days later, this younger son, a few days, listen to this, packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Key word, distant. You see it? He wanted to get as far away from his father as he possibly could. He moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money and wild living. We, we see the plan now. You see, you see what he wanted. He did not want to live under the father's authority. He didn't want to be accountable to his father. He didn't want to live by his father's rules. You know what he wanted? He wanted his freedom. I want to do life my way. And to do that, i got to get away from dad. And to get away from dad, i got to have money. So he goes to his father, and he gets all this money, and he takes off. He goes to the distant land, and you know what he does? He throws off all restraint, and he lives just exactly the way he wants. He lived wildly. I mean, it was one party. It was one prostitute after another, after another, after another, until one day the money was gone. I picture him, Mike, going to the bartender after a night of partying, and he's got to settle up the tab, and he's got just enough to pay, and he looks, and all the money is gone. And about that time, a great famine set in on the land, and there was no food. Well, I'll put it this way, food was very scarce, and this young man was starving to death. He went to a local farmer and begged him, will you hire me? Will you hire me? And, and one of the farmers said, yeah, I'll give you a job. And he gave him the most menial, degrading job that a Jewish man could ever have. He gave him the responsibility of feeding the pigs. One day he, had, uh, he was feeding them some kind of seed pod that humans couldn't digest. One day he dumps out a load of these seed pods and the hogs start eating. And he thinks to himself, if there was any way I could digest that, I would eat the food that these hogs are feeding on. I want you to look what happened next. Verse number 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven, in other words, God and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You know what he's thinking? He's thinking, I messed this up. I blew this. Things will never be the same. Never. Never. 
I've done irreparable damage in my relationship with my dad. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off. You see that? While he's still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Man, here's the big phrase. Here's the big phrase. Verse 21, let's, let's go to the next frame. Next frame. Well, his, look at that. Filled with love. Filled with love and compassion, he, speaking of the father, ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Well, he had his spill practice, but before he could finish it, the father interrupted and turned and spoke to the servants. But verse 22, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. What's happening here? What do these actions, what are they saying? They're saying, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You're not coming back as a servant. These were all symbols of acceptance. You're, you're still my boy. We're just going to pick up where we left off. Verse 23 said, And kill the calf we've been fattening. Look at this next phrase, man. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And I love the way this verse ends. These four words, please. So, the party began. Do you see that? So, the party began. Now, here's the question we're trying to answer. If you are indeed far from God, how does God feel about you? Here's what we've learned. God still loves those who are far from Him. Remember Jesus' purpose in these stories? I'm going to show you how the Father feels about people who are far from Him. That was the purpose. And in this third story, the Father represents God. And how did the Father feel about his wayward son. The Bible said he was filled with love for him. Filled, which means he couldn't have loved him anymore. You understand that no matter how far the boy wandered, no matter how much he squandered, this father's love for his son never diminished to the slightest degree. He still loved him as much as he could possibly love. He loved him as much as he did, you know, when he was at home. Man, I got, if you're far from God, I got some really good news for you. And the good news is this. God loves you. He still loves you. You say, Ronnie, you don't know how far I've wandered. It don't matter. You don't know how much I've squandered. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect his love for you at all. He loves you as much as a wandering child as he did when you were a faithful child. He couldn't love you any more than he loves you. You know what that means? It means he's never going to give up on you. He never writes you off. It means you can't wander far enough. You can't squander enough life that he goes, up. I'm done. He loves those who are far from him. And he longs for their return. 
Have you ever heard the old adage, you can't go home again? Well, in your case, that's just not true. You can go home again. You can return to God, and I tell you, nothing would bring him more pleasure than for you to do that. God still loves those who are far from him. In light of that truth, what am I encouraging you to do? I want to encourage you to do something. Get the party started. Return to God. You ask, Ronnie, how do I do that? I think from the example of this boy, I see two steps that I would recommend. Number one, turn. I tell you, at the lowest point of this young man's life, broke, starving, and alone, he finally came to his senses. He hadn't thought clearly in a long, long time, but apparently hitting rock bottom had jolted him back into reality. In his lucid moments, he had to humbly admit, my plan didn't work. Life far from the Father wasn't better than life close to the Father. I mean, after all, this, my dad's servants have got it better than me. His painful, disappointing circumstances had given him a valuable gift, perspective. He now saw things as they really were. After a string of terrible decisions, he finally made a good one. You know what? what? He decided, I'm turning around. I'm not going any farther away from him. This is my turn. This is my stopping point and my turning point. He had a change of mind that resulted in a change of direction. You know what the Bible calls that? Feel the Bible calls that repentance. And there is a way, there is a pathway for you to get back to God, and it begins with repentance. It means you've got to have a change of mind that produces a change in direction. So I want you to think for just a moment. Have you found life distant from God? Far from God to be better than life close with God? Do you have peace? Have you found contentment? Are you truly happy? Have you learned what the boy learned? That is, life far from God is not better than life close to God. If you haven't yet, you will. Hear the facts. God still is crazy in love with you. He longs for your return. The closer you get to God, the better life is. So why not consider this? Consider turning around. There's a second step, and I think it's this. Start. It's your move. Man, it's your move. Why don't you take the initiative to start the journey back to Him? I don't, I don't know how long it took this boy to get home. Weeks, maybe? Months? I don't know. But I know this, it won't take you nearly as long. You can return to God in an instant. Matter of fact, you can return to God before you walk out of this building this morning.
All you got to do is do what the boy did. Get honest with God. If there is distance between you and God, accept the responsibility for that. He didn't move. You did. Man, admit to any decisions you've made that produce the distance and then humbly ask for another chance. If you will take the initiative to start, I promise you this, God will meet you halfway. Just like the father in the story, God will meet you halfway. You know there's a promise in the Old Testament where God said this, return to me and I'll return to you. He promised. There's a promise in the New Testament. And, and, and God said this, draw, you draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. If you'll take the first step, God will do the rest. He'll forgive you, reconcile with you, restore you, and last but not least, God and all of heaven will erupt in a massive celebration because you returned to Him. So what do you think? Are you ready? If so, get the party started. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, all eyes closed. Listen to me, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Maybe you're watching us online. Maybe you're listening to this sermon on a podcast. Maybe you're sitting here with me today. And you've allowed distance to develop between you and your Heavenly Father. That can be fixed in moments. If I'm talking to you, you're like, Ronnie, I, 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 yeah, I've allowed myself to become far from God. I want to leave here on a path that takes me close to Him again. What do I need to do? Just be honest and say, God, I don't like where I'm at with you. I don't like this distance. I'm accepting responsibility for it. I admit I've made decisions that created it. And humbly, I'm asking you to do something that I don't deserve. Will you forgive me? Would you give me another opportunity? Would you help me walk out of here today on a path that takes me back to you? God, would you do that? And if you pray that prayer, you understand that all heaven erupted in praise and celebration and joy at the moment you prayed that prayer, at the moment you stepped back in the direction of God. You understand that's what just happened. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you 
for a love that never fails. I thank you for a love that never ends. I thank you for a love that is unconditional. I thank you for your incredible patience with us. I thank you, Lord, that your door is always open and we're always welcome to come back to you. Lord, there's someone I'm speaking to this morning, and, and, and this is the, their story. They've wandered. They've strayed away. But God, today, they're returning to you, and I pray that you'll help them in the next few days and weeks and months to draw closer and closer to you and begin to experience you in a very real way again. But thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. And God, we pray that your will be, I pray this, that your will be done in all of our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, guys. You are dismissed. <laughs>